Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Park Lawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. I was uh, thinking over Bishop's lessons over the past couple weeks, and what popped in my heart was a suitcase. And uh, as we look right now, and we were going from um, the R-E-L-A-X, it feels really good just to be able to sit down. Can anyone else identify with that? It feels really, for me, it feels really good to be able to say, I don't have to do everything. And it feels really, really good to turn around and be able to say, there's an area that I'm good at, and that's where I'm supposed to be working, and others are supposed to be connecting in other areas. And number one, that's okay. But two, we're actually going to be a lot stronger together. But then, when we talk about decluttering life, I got this um, feeling like we still had those orange fans out here that are blowing like 100 miles an hour and are going to make you like ridiculously cold right here because I can just start letting go. And we're letting go of things, activities, but a lot of times these can be masks, you know, of all these different things that I'm supposed to be, that the world says I'm supposed to be, or I'm trying to let you all see that I'm supposed to be, but I don't have to. So, you know, more work or other activities and programs that we don't have to be involved in, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses on everything else here. This is my Bible, but if we're not careful, ministry can become another mask as well. Then I turn around and I begin to look. It's like, oh, there's the home and, the, you know, me being the handyman. Just the fact if you look at this, you'll know I'm not a handyman. But it took me about... It took me about a good eight years into the marriage to finally accept that. You know, we bought a duplex for the whole purpose of saying, hey, I'm going to fix it up like your father. And guess what? That's his gift, not mine. So <laughs> then, you know, we're out here and, you know, oh, we're volunteering and we're, you know, being staff over here or staff over there and running to this spot and running to that, and then, you know, we're still talking about we got to embrace the moment everywhere I can, and then I'm moving at and saying, oh, I got to get this book done, and I got to find this conference to go to, and I got to turn around, and I got to roll some muscles out so I can do some more work and go get this done, and then all of a sudden, I don't know, just whatever, go ahead and pick your pick. 
But guess what? We all have our own suitcases, right? With our own stuff in there. But if we're not careful, this feels really good. This feels fantastic. But I know for me, that can get filled up really, really fast again if I'm not purposeful. That can get filled up really, really fast again with a lot of other activities. It could be in a different environment and I can be weighed down again the exact same way all over. If they're not focused on what is it that we're supposed to be targeting now. We know we're supposed to be focusing on being contemplative with Christ and our relationship with him. And then the next step. That's what we're going to kind of get into today. You know, what does your bar look like at home? Some of you all may be looking at me and like, what in the world? Hold on for a second. Right? The bar, the bar, the bar. Well, take it easy. Because in this case, the bar is building authentic relationships. I'm not talking about that home bar that some of y'all bought, you know, and turn around and has like, you know, I'm not even going to touch that, Hennessy and everything else or just sodas or whatever. We're talking about what is building authentic relationships actually look like at home. And we're talking about this with families because it starts right there. And this God is, has a very specific plan for the institute of family, both in the kingdom of God and in the natural that he's put in place. So let's start at the end and then kind of build up just for a second so we can see where we're going with this. In the end, we're going, and our focus is to build the body of Christ. That's why in the family life ministries, you come to get equipped. I don't care if it's at nursery, children's ministry, planet three, four, five, all the way senior saints, our life groups, you come to get fed, to get built so that you can fulfill the, talent, the purpose that God has for you, utilizing the talents and gifts that he's put inside of you. But we also are doing this, as we're building this up, we have to remove barriers. We have to remove walls. We have to heal wounds. We have to turn around and learn to grow. We have to become spiritually mature by focusing on our emotional health as well. And how do we also build relationships? Well, this is all was done. Today, we're going to talk about building relationships. And the idea is, if we're building the body of Christ, what are we specifically, what are you specifically supposed to be doing? What, is, what part of the body are you supposed to be? Are you supposed to be the thumb, the ear, the nose, the butt? The butt's a very important part of the body. So it helps decelerate and everything else. So just understand. But then we turn around and look and say, what is your role? And and that's it. We're moving away from trying to say, hey, be everything that that you possibly can be. We're not looking for you to have nine, ten different activities that are coming in. What is it that God is actually calling you to do? Your purpose. And it should be reflected in your life. So now we turn around, and before we can, there's a, God's given me, uh, I love Galatians 5.16. 
from the standpoint that we look and walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And when we talk about what in the world do I have to do in order to be this Jason Mims that I'm supposed to be, God says, it's right there. Uh, so much falls underneath that, but it's right there. Walk in the spirit. I don't have to worry about how do I fix my problems. Walk in the spirit. I don't have to worry about how X, Y, Z is going to get done because everything else is going to get taken care of as a byproduct. And now we're going to take those same principles when we talk about building of relationships. So if I turn around and I look right now, why is it or why is um, it a priority for us as Christians to build authentic relationships? If I'm coming to church and I'm having my personal walk with God, and I'm working, and I take care of my family. I'm even serving in church. Why do I have to do this whole authentic relationships? That's just like an added thing. And I don't have time for that. As a matter of fact, when I see you coming, I think that's what you're, I think, you know, you're about to ask me to do something else, and that's, we don't have time to do that. How many of us have been, as soon as church gets out, we're ready to uh, break off and leave? Uh-huh. We miss out on the best part that God has because there are gifts, talents, and answers, and your heart can create healing for others that need it um, in ways just from what you've gone through because God has specifically called you to go through it. And if we're not connecting, we miss out on these opportunities, yet we still look for it all out in the world, and God's provided so much right here in church. So if we go to Matthew 22, verse 36 through 40, we begin to look at the great commandment. And when we begin to look at the first reason on why in the world God has called us to have build authentic relationships, it's pretty simple. Jesus said... Uh, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's a relationship. We have two big relationships that we're supposed to have. And the second is, like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, hang all, uh, uh, hang all the law and the prophets. So the, in the greatest commandment that was laid out, God already established our priority. And the priority is you're going to be building relationship. First of all, you're going to build relationship with me authentically. You're going to know yourself because you know me. And I'm going to lead, guide, and I'm going to show you exactly who I've created you to be. And then second, I'm going to put you in the training ground, and you're going to build relationship with your neighbors, your family, and your friends because through the building of the relationship, they will see me. Because you're doing first, you're building relationship with me. So I begin to look at this and say, okay, this makes this part easy. So when I go here to this suitcase and 
I began to look at what am I starting to add in here. There's all these activities that we're always doing, but is it going towards what we're supposed to be working on? Is it going towards what, what God has placed as a priority in our life right now? And I begin to look and say, I know that when that thing was full for me, the first thing that went out the window was relationships. Because I don't have any time to call you. I don't have any time. I want to, but I don't have time because I'm running over here or I'm running over there or I am so wounded that I'm lost in myself that I can't think about contacting you. I can't even think about all the amazing people that are out there. I forget how to pray. So now it's telling me that before I start throwing all of this stuff back in here, I better make building of relationships with God and my fellow man a priority. Because this is where, it's a foundation of where it starts. I don't have to understand how it's going to look in the end. That's not our lane. In Acts 17, it's specifically God saying that I've already predetermined your destiny and the territories of your land that you may seek me. So he didn't do it so that you would know and just go over there. He did it because he needs you to know that he knows and that you're supposed to be seeking him. So we don't know what the end is going to look like, but we know where we're starting. If we turn around, um, you don't have to show this, this next part over here, but in the New Testament, over 50, over 50 times, we talk about one another or each other. We're uh, commanded to love one another, pray for each other, encourage each other, admonish each other, greet each other, serve each other, teach each other, accept each other, honor each other, bear each other's burdens, forgive each other, submit to each other, be devoted to each other, and mutual other tasks. But guess what? That's easy to say. That's something different to necessarily do because there's some skills that are built inside in order to do all of that. And if... I know that if I'm not being purposeful and actually working on those skills, it's one thing to say, hey, we love all our neighbors, but when some of my neighbors come out, I actually want to shut the door and act like I'm not there. So when we make it a priority, we're actually being purposeful and working on those areas so that we can actually do this. Does that make sense? All right, good. So... Um, First off here, uh, we look at being uh, uh, other reasons why this is a priority for us as Christians. One, we're stronger together. So you can obviously just go into Genesis 2.18, um, and just with the sake of time, um, and the Lord God said, hey, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And we look at it and I say, yeah, that's absolutely for the husband and wife. But that's relationship as a whole, just the nature of the relationship, how God built that. Then we look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. And we begin to say, two are better than one. This, this whole thing just like justifies the entire message. So two are better than one because they have a good reward for the labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. We're going to come back to that in a moment. For he has no one to help him up. How many of us have 
ever felt alone and in need. Being on a, like you're on a road somewhere stranded at 2.30 and the cell phone doesn't work, two tires have been blown, and you left your wallet at home. Right? Actually, you're on a country road, so let's put it like that. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. That's even like in the Army, right? We have, I didn't do that when I was in the Army. I don't know, maybe, Dad, you were in the Air Force, and I know you guys, they didn't set you guys up like that because you guys always had hotels. But um, <laughs> Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. So what am I hearing off of there? Number one, if God is our foundation, man, we're dangerous. And then I also hear the more that we come together, the stronger that we absolutely are. But I also realize out of this that when we're alone, which we will be coming, guess what? We're in trouble. Now, if we turn around, obviously we can look at Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron, but let's go to fellowship. There's another reason why God is calling for us to build authentic relationships, and it starts at home. But Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. So, and let us consider one another in order to stir up good works. So now what I'm beginning to hear is that some of you are building up in me what's already inside, are encouraging me that I can actually do more than what I thought I could actually do are giving me, are helping me because you've been where I'm trying to necessarily go and now I'm actually stronger because I don't have to go through all those same experiences. Or I'm able to step out of my comfort zone because I know others got my back. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Raise of hands, how many of us desire, just desire for others to just identify, just be able to say, wow, I see this gift in you, or thank you for just being you, or I turn around and how you turn around and take care of your family is amazing. Or I turn around and when you pray, I am always moved because I just see the spirit moving just because of how committed you are and how prepared you are. Or when I turn around and I see you serving with the children's ministry, there's always revelation that are coming from the kids. We like to be acknowledged. We like to be built up. Anyone, ever, ever, possibly. We're talking about These are natural desires that God's put inside of us that we're supposed to feel for each other. And we have a desire for someone to necessarily do it for us. I know I do for me, but we don't necessarily always know how to do it for others. So we have to be purposeful in how we learn. If we turn around and we look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, now we're beginning to go ahead and look at let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And God is calling through this fellowship that we're actually now taking the focus off of self 
and putting it on to others. And it's easier to take our focus off of self because we've had our focus on God, so now we know who our provider is, and we know who our protector is, and we know that all the needs that we have are going to be met, so we can put our focus now on sharing that love that's been shared to us onto others and meeting those needs. Now we're being a vessel used by God in ways that we didn't even think. But it all starts in just a relationship. So then we go ahead and we look at Galatians 6 2. And when we're looking, bear one another's burdens so that we fulfill the law of Christ. And those burdens, uh, you know, there, there's another scripture that connects with the burdens in that there's a burden that is that you should be able to handle, then there are burdens that you can't handle. We're talking about those burdens that you can't handle, not supposed to just try and move that 5,000 pound or that 500 pound you know, a desk that comes in, you call somebody. But some of us want to turn around and drag it. I've kind of been there, right? So, in the last part on why Christ, why God has made building relationships, but we're talking about authentic relationships, a priority for Christians, is isolation. And when we talk about isolation, now I'm looking at the fact of what in the world is Satan trying to do? And it is always to divide and conquer. So if we turn around and we look at 1 Peter 5.8, we begin and we already realize that we can be sober vigilant uh, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And I don't know, I've gotten caught up in YouTube with this, with uh, like Animal Kingdom or with like National Geographic and looking at leopards. And now those, uh, uh, we turn around and we look at lions and cheetahs and how they go and attack prey, right? Even some of our falcons and birds and all this other kind of stuff. But it's always amazing, whether it's hyenas, whether they attack alone or they attack in packs. They always, when they go off of that pack, who are they trying to go for? The young one, the older one, the one that trips, the one that they can get by themselves. Right? There's a message with this. That when we find that we're pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and we're not connected with God and we're not connected with other believers and we're not connected to be built up, guess what? We're praying. And the enemy is looking for whatever things he can put into our lives that will create that separation. A distraction, a little fear, doubt, reminders of past failures or traumas. But God was very wise when he put in relationships because it addresses so much. Number one, with God. Number two, with others. So... Um, you can go to Romans uh, 7, uh, 21 real quick. When we look, I find then a law that evil is present with me, uh, the one who wills to do good. And Paul talks about so well how I desire for the spirit to move forward, but in my flesh I am always conflicted because I know what the flesh wants to do. And by ourselves, that's what we have. But we're going to find in the power that we have when we're connecting. So looking at this as a priority, and now we can look in the word and we got a better understanding of why it is. 
what are some of the characteristics of building authentic relationships and how does it apply at home? Because home is the first place where this actually gets started. How do we apply it with our spouses? How do we apply it with our children? Children, how do we apply it with our parents? How do we apply it then with our friends? How do we apply it with our people at church? So as we're going through this, if you have no paper out, please write down what resonates with you, what you can be working on, what you can be thinking of right now. First off, characteristics of building authentic relationships all goes into, and Bishop already gave a prelude this morning, right? Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. Let's talk about this for a moment. Love suffers long and is kind. Everything starts with love. But when we look, say, love suffers long, suffers long, says, I'm not going anywhere. Like, you can rely on me. That means there's trust that's there. That means that despite my mistakes, Erica isn't going to leave. Right? And despite when I might be frustrated, Joshua knows that I love him. And that's not going to change. But then we look and say, it's kind. Love does not envy. So one, they're not focused on self. Love does not parade itself. Again, they're not focused on self. When I connect with Mo, my brother, I know that Mo authentically wants to know what's going on in my life. Even if I didn't call him last week, he's checking on me and reminding me that I need to check in with him. We turn around and we'll look and say, it's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely, which means that I'm respected, whether it's by Ben or Daryl or Marcus, Elder Marcus, sorry. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in truth. And it didn't qualify what that truth was because sometimes we look at this and we say, oh, the truth must be everything beautiful. No, truth is what it is. Sometimes truth is ugly. Sometimes truth is really ugly. Are we willing to accept that? If Joshua came up and told me that he found some substance that he wasn't supposed to find and he kept it. That's a little bit uglier truth than what I may have necessarily wanted to hear. But how am I going to respond to him? Is it going to be in love? Is it going to be other in kind? And that drives everything. So, but it rejoices in the truth because that's righteous, not evil. It bears all things which means that our bond is strong and that we're here for the long haul. And if, my, if your bond with me is strong, then I'm going to work to make sure my bond with you is strong. And now I got someone like a road dog. I got someone I can trust, I can rely in. And it believes all things. It hopes all things. They believe in me just as much as I believe in you. 
that what God has put inside, I can actually do, or you can actually do. Hope is a powerful thing that we can end up missing, and it endures. These are skills that come into place. It's easy to read, but some of this is hard to do. We'll talk about a couple of these things before we close out. In order to be able to do, and just leave 1 Corinthians 13 up, in order to be able to do this, we have to be able to shift our perspective because our perspective is built off of our experiences in life, but they also lead to biases, what we believe, and they can be very different from someone else. But if that perspective prevents us from being like this, to someone else, then we can't demonstrate the love of Christ. So now when I begin to look at shifting our perspective, shifting what my uh, experiences are when I'm working with someone that might be different from me, my son is different from me because he's 10. And I don't even know what your generation is called, but he's 10. I'm thinking it's like some, you know... Uh, not Generation X. Why am I forgetting those generations? Anyway, it's different. But we begin to say, can I take a consciousness? Can I be conscious of others' needs? Can I be conscious of his needs? And have a desire to help him. That is called compassion. And that starts in an understanding of not the mind, but at the heart. That's what love is. So we're going beyond having to know, oh, I've been there before, because I haven't. Even if I went through the same experience that Joshua did, it's different, because my son is different. But can I connect at his heart? And that's called empathy. And what we're looking at with empathy is, can I begin to listen to what he's saying and recognize what he's feeling, go back in my life and find a time when I felt that way. Now I've qualified how important it is to him. Because he might be having a problem with a kid at school and I'm looking as if that's about that important, but for him it's this important. And how I acknowledge that turns around and will drive what our relationships are going to be like and how he trusts me. So now we begin to see that we change our perspective to meet others where they are at, which means that I'm not self-seeking, I am focused on them. We change our perspective so that we can be present. And present is different than just being existing. So I used to work for the fire department, right? And you would see a joke where someone might be really tired during practice or during a training. And you're here, they're working, but someone will literally start to fall asleep standing up. How in the world do you do that? They're there, but they're not present. Now let's, husbands and wives, let's put that into a conversation. We're talking. And... My cell phone's over there, so, you know, that would be the time I would have it. But, you know, uh, it buzzes. I check real quick, put it back. And in my mind, I got 90 other different things that are running. Am I present? 
that comes into play. Am I stepping out of myself to focus on my wife that comes in? That's where we begin to look and say it's more than just us. And uh, when we talk about listening, we've, uh, for those who have done uh, listening exercises with me, you've already gone through the experience. Um, but there's different levels of listening. There's superficial listening where it's very popcorn and you're just talking, just trying to listen. I mean, you're, just, you're waiting for that uh, breath so you can jump in and say what you have to say that's a little bit better. And you're barely hearing what they're saying. It's just a little bit of noise. And then there is, that's what we always do, right? Then there is like a, a level two listening where I'm listening to what you're saying and I'm trying not to think about anything else, but I'm just he I'm hearing the words and I'm, getting to, I'm trying to understand uh, what you were doing. Then there's level three where I begin to uh, completely shut myself out and I'm dialed into you to the point where I can hear what you're not saying because I hear it in your word, but I hear it in your heart. And that's the types of relationship that God is looking for us to be able to do. That means we have to be able to step outside of ourselves. We have to be aware of our own wounds and be able to address those. But we have to be in a position where we are focused on the other. And we can accept that I can understand without maybe agreeing or going through that exact same experience itself. So we begin to look there and say that it's about others and their desires and their ability to meet those needs. Out of this, um, the goal is what? If we're focusing on building these relationships, God is showing us how to do 1 Corinthians 13. And if we're doing 1 Corinthians 13 at home, now we can do it at school, we can do it at work, we can do it with our coworkers, we can do it with family. How many people, other families, like the outside family, right? That's what God is calling for us to be able to do. In these relationships, if we're connecting and we're connecting consistently on a regular basis and we're connecting with this love, now we're not alone. There is a bond that is built in where we don't have to always say everything to one another, but we know we're locked in and we're connected. How many of you have been in a situation Especially those that, raise your hand if you ever did a deep listening exercise with me. Anyone? Got a few hands? So for those that did deep listening exercise, um, how many identified uh, a commonality that you had with the person that you would not have had before? One, two, three hands. That comes, thank you, right, and that comes because we're listening and we're not focused on ourselves. Empathy begins to develop. We find out as we're listening, we find out as we're connecting and we're making purposeful time and we find out as we are putting the other stuff out because we've made this a priority that we begin to identify strengths in my wife, strengths in my son and now I can speak life into them and I can build them up and I'm utilizing my own strengths to come in and do which I would have never thought could happen before but it's all coming just in relationship. But then, as a byproduct, we also find that we're accepted. Now, that's at home. There's a, there's a component, there's a science called resilience. 
And the resilience is your ability to bounce back or to be able to push through difficult circumstances. And we have to be resilient as Christians. And this is why we have the word of God, because it identifies what our strengths are. But one of the components that's built in with resilience in order to be resilient is to have multiple relational connections. I just went to a trauma conference at Marquette. Um, this past weekend, and it was the, one of the biggest focuses on uh, everything that they were talking about is we don't connect. We don't have relationships with one another. And when people have multiple relationships or multiple relational connections from environments at work, at home, in the faith community, they turn around and um, need less therapy when they're experiencing trauma and mental health conditions. Versus when they are alone and they have the most intensive therapy, they don't get the same outcomes that come. So what is that telling you? God's built healing in relationships, in those God-based relationships, because we're learning how to do that. And all those needs that we've been missing, we have among each other. There's a component in transparency. When I'm being transparent, someone else can identify with me on what I'm going through, or what they went through, exactly what I went through. And I thought I was alone, and so did they, but we find out we're not. And it's a trust component, but that's what's built off of relationships. So we've done this funky thing and said, well, if we're supposed to have relationships, and we want it in the family, and in the church, we're the family of God, maybe we should be focusing on building relationships too. So we have this thing called life groups because we have to have multiple relational connections, not just a family. My wife needs to be able to talk with Crystal. Can't always talk with me. I'm not her girlfriend. I'm her husband, right? And I need to be able to connect with other brothers. And young people need to be able to connect with young people, but we also need to be able to connect with people from other generations. And we grow and we learn and we do life together through the transparency. So we meet on different times throughout the week in different groups for six months to a year, and we connect and we learn. We, become, we, we have curriculum that allows us to develop spiritual maturity, how to understand how to do 1 Corinthians 13, and also how to identify our talents, gifts, and also start putting them into practice so that we're who we're supposed to be, being focused. And now that I'm focused and I'm not doing 900 things, I can actually focus on other relationships and have that fulfillment that we're supposed to be. So when you see me coming, you're not going to run away because actually it's just to say hello, not to ask anything. I actually just want to get to know you, which is the essence of what we're supposed to do. And God already built all that here. But we just got to be purposeful about it. So uh, that's my time. Uh, along that line. Um, in the end, what we're talking about is being the body part that we're supposed to be. And for a number of us, we've been in situations where we've been looking, we've been praying. There's this, this yearning that's been bubbling up in your chest and your stomach and you say, I got to get this out. I got to get this out. I got to get this out and you try, and it didn't work out well, or you don't know how to get started or where to go, and we're, we're praying, but sometimes God gives us the answers just among the, our others right here, and it starts with connecting. 
The other part that comes in is that back going into Galatians 5.16, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Do what you're supposed to do and everything else is going to be taken care of as a byproduct. So what is it that you're being called to do right now? Your area of purpose. Is it working with children? Is it turning around administration? What are your gifts that you have? We're not looking for you to have a full-time job. We're not asking you to volunteer as much. We're asking you to operate in your purpose. It's time, but it's your purpose. It's what you're supposed to be doing and developing that to be all of what you're supposed to be. And I'm only asking, we're looking at it from your area, not being all over the place anymore. We actually want to do relationship with you while we're doing this thing together. So how do we connect? So we have opportunities outside in the information wing from our worships and fine arts. Um, within family life, we have positions that are focused on digital communication. We got positions that are opened up in areas of um, creative communication, um, in children's ministry, in nursery uh, that are set in. On Wednesdays, we're going to start doing an Aspire version called Wednesdays on Purpose for our children. So we can expand their vision on purpose. And we can begin to identify um, for them their talents and their gifts and how they operate and how it's significant. But we need you who have passions and purpose that you're operating in right now because we're looking for people to be able to present. That interests you. It's out there. I'm not asking to have you join and work four weeks a month. It's a portion but it's operating in your purpose. The rest is us doing relationship together and growing together. This is what the direction that we're going in Parklawn. This is what we are looking to do. And off of that, now people really begin to see the power of Christ because it's so much easier when we're relaxed and everyone's doing what they're supposed to do and we turn around and see that everything gets done in such an amazing way. I am glad to be able to say that I don't do everything the best because there's so many of you that would do it much better than me, and that's A-okay. That's how God designed it. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parkline Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.